We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, you've been in the suburbs for like a week now. How is it? Are you are you hanging in there, bud? It's totally fine. Uh, I actually took the train to the city last night for a lovely little get-together with some friends. Uh, and then took a depressing train ride back through a thunderstorm. So that was thrilling stuff. But overall, it's been fine. So that's all good. <laughs> uh, not too much going on with the Bulls these days. Bulls still sort of in a holding pattern, uh, sort of waiting on the Lowry Markinen situation to resolve itself. Markinen remains under team control for now. There's been some rumors of potential sign-and-trade destinations, nothing really in the last few days. Uh, But the Bulls have reportedly been steadfast in wanting a first-round pick in exchange for him. I feel like until we know what's going to happen with Markkinen, the rest of the Bulls' bench is sort sort of feels unfinished. Now, the league in general, there hasn't been many moves recently at all. Like, I think the last major free agency thing was, what, like Josh Hart signing a week ago? Uh, the majority of the the players in free agency are already signed. So, looking at the Bulls roster right now, Jace, I think that they definitely could use added depth at the three and the four, right? Like, they need some more depth on the bench at the forward spots. Uh, Paul Millsap is a guy who's still out there. There's a few other guys, you know, on the open market, but... Mostly, I think they're waiting to see what's going to happen with Markkinen. Are they going to get some players back for him? Are they going to keep him? That's the big storyline around the team right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Millsap. I know Jake Fish over at Bleacher Report wrote about his situation, talking about how he might even like take until like going into the season before he picks somewhere. Uh, he talked about that with him and J.J. Redick. Not that Redick is a Bulls target, but uh, Millsap we've talked about for a while. I, mean, I, I guess I could understand that. Like, no one's going to really pay him what he's looking for at this point. Uh, maybe he just takes, basically just kind of takes some time, extra time, rests his legs up, joins the team in the start of the season. <coughs> maybe he does that. We'll see. 
Uh, in terms of the Lowry thing, though, so we for this pod today, we wanted to do a Twitter Q&A. We took a bunch of people's questions, and we actually did get a question about Lowry. So let's just kind of go right into that, into these questions with this question from, this is from at Tom, I'm not sure how to say his last name, Knacker, Nasher. This is TNAC23. Can the Bulls still sign Lowry on a long-term deal close to what they offered last year? Wouldn't this be the best asset management strategy? I believe we also saw our guy Kevin Farragan talking about this idea of, like, Maybe they should just go offer Lowry like a three, four year deal, uh, like at 12, 13 million a year. See if he, because like, no, it seems like no one's offering that kind of thing right now. Um, for me, like, I don't know if I'd want to commit four years, but I know we were also talking in our little group chat that we have about maybe you offer him like a two year deal. I think that's what, is that what Nico got a few years? Like when his last deal with the Bulls, it was like two years, like 24, 25 million. It was something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but what do you think of like, instead of, offering maybe a couple two or three year deal to Lowry or obviously you can also see if he just signs the qualifying offer but basically you'd offer him this contract you say like hey we'll look to trade you possibly uh so you have him locked in for a couple years and you can maybe get something back for him how do you feel about that or do you just want to try to move on because he's talked about how he wants to move on uh and I know Casey wrote in his recent mailbag how it just doesn't seem like it would make much sense to have him back when he doesn't really want to be here what would you? What do you think about possibly trying to offer Lowry longer, something more than just the qualifying offer? For sure. I mean, my first concern is that right now the Bulls have some really good vibes going on the team, and Markinen is just going to ruin those good vibes. Like he's just going to feel like a relic of a past era. He's not going to be happy in his role. The team will have moved on from him as a former cornerstone. So in general, I sort of want him off the team. I mean, it's not just vibe-based, but also I don't think he's a particularly good fit with the rest of the starters. I don't think you could play him at the four next to Vucevic in lineups because those those lineups won't have enough defensive resistance in the paint. I don't think you could slide him to five and play him with Pat because he's too soft to play the five. We've seen this time and time again. Guards are able to power through him at the rim, you know, move him off his spot. He offers very little in the way of rim protection despite being a seven-footer. But at this point, the Bulls just need talent, right? Like, the bench is pretty weak, especially at the position he plays. And, yeah, Markinen might be seen mostly as a five, maybe, around the league, but... The Bulls have Tony Bradley on a one-year minimum deal there. At the three, they have Troy Brown, who's still, you know, pretty unproven. I've always liked Troy Brown, but it's hard to count on him as being, like, a dependable contributor on the bench. So you need another, you know, another guy at the three or the four. So Markinen's sort of a four-five combo. Obviously, seven-footer who can space the floor, who can hit a catch-and-shoot shot. That's valuable. I think that with the way the Bulls are going to want to play this year, it's going to be a lot of ball movement, a lot of swinging the ball. Like before where Markinen was struggling was like trying to create off the bounce. And he's not going to be put in those situations this year if he were to come back. So just from a pure talent perspective, I would take Markinen back. Uh, You know, I would probably not do anything more than a two-year deal. Maybe two years in a player option, something that would allow him to like get back into the open market. That could be appealing to him. I still don't think he's going to be in the long-term future of the franchise, but just given what's out there on the market right now, uh, it might not be a terrible idea to bring him back. I would still prefer a trade, but like they, they need bodies at that spot, and he might be you know, reasonably the best guy on the board at this point. Right, yeah. And I, there were the rumors out there about like Maxi Kleva from the Mavs, which would like be like an ideal uh, scenario there, but like, I just don't know how like realistic that actually is at this point. 
And like we have both talked about how like we want Lowry, like we're done with him, but like definitely done with him as like a cornerstone, like guy you're relying on. Like, could I be fine with him back on a short term deal on the qualifying offer? Like you said, with the just the the depth issues in the front court right now, like I can absolutely talk myself into that. Like as long as we're not ex- expecting him just put up be a twenty point per game guy playing thirty thirty five minutes. If he's playing twenty minutes a game as a backup off the bench and hitting forty percent from three, I can live with this. I can live with this his flaws because otherwise, you said like I, I don't want to rely on Marco uh, Sonovic right now. Like I wasn't that impressed in summer league. Like maybe he'll end up being good, but like Lowry is more proven player than him right now, and I would expect more from him. Like you're trying to win this year. Like I'd probably rather play Lowry over him right now. So yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens with Lowry. We've been waiting for like a few weeks now, which has literally been like nothing out there happening. Uh, before we move on to our next Twitter question, DeAndre, you uh, wanted to have a, a comment question, so you are up. Fire away. Yeah, how's it going, fellas? It's good to be a part of the Bulls. It's good to be having a nothing but Bulls thing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my thing is, with this whole Larry thing here, <clears throat> this whole Larry thing, I mean, this is just me personally. I don't want him back just off the simple fact of he did come out saying, I, I don't want to be here. And now all of a sudden you want to, now all of a sudden nobody wants to give you the contract that you want, even though you haven't earned it. That's just my opinion. But like now, now, now you have no other option but to either accept that qualifying offer, take less than the qualifying offer, or just flat out don't play. Because the time for us to extend it has already passed, and we still have the leverage on whether or not we can, whether or not somebody else will do it in the sign of trade. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Is is this just like a weird situation, especially because he did come out and say, like, I don't want to be here, and like I said, that's what Casey wrote about. And you mentioned the leverage stuff. Like, yeah, the Bulls are like holding out because like. If they want to get like a, they want a first round pick and like no bad money back, whatever bad money is, like I don't even know what bad money would actually come back. Like I feel like if they could get a first and they took a contract on pass and like, like whatever this season, I'd be fine with that. If you're getting any type of any type of asset out of a large head, whether it's a first, it would be better probably to get a player right now uh, that probably would be more ideal. But like whatever, if you t- either a player or a first, like I could take on a little quote unquote bad money or whatever. But yeah, I mean especially the fact that he just that he came out and said it. Like I got oh I like I want. Be somewhere else. It is tough, like the whole, th- like the vibes thing that Ricky was talking about. Uh, it's like it would be tough to kind of bring him back. So, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, it is a weird situation right now. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if y'all don't, I'm gonna say if y'all don't mind, Joe did ask what he, what, what y'all think of Lonzo's role on the team. Me, but I, now I know y'all, I know y'all got a show to do, but I just want to answer his question. This is just, just my it. opinion. Like, just my opinion. He's that facilitator that we desperately needed. To not only let Zach Levine play off the ball sometimes, to where he can play off ball and do the catch and shoot like he wants to, but also when it comes to like the half court game, he can, he's really can he's really dead. He's really what we've been missing. Now we want now we've been pushing Kobe White to do that, but that's not really Kobe White's game. He's more of a catch and shoot off the bench type role point guard, but. We've been pushing him to play that point guard, and he he, he can't do it like that. So yeah. that's the reason we got. That's the reason why we really got Lonzo, and and, and to some extent, that's the reason we got uh Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan good at half court. 
and he's good at half court and really transition. But he's more out of a half court, whereas Lonzo's more in transition. But he's young, 23. He's been wanting to play for the Bulls for a while. We had, we had eyes on him for not just this offseason, not just this offseason, not just this, not just this, uh, this, this trade deadline. We had our eyes on him since last year. Yep, it's been a while. DeAndre, thank you so much for your comments, questions. Good stuff Appreciate there, my man. Uh, we will talk about Lonzo here. We're gonna get, we can get Joe up here for a second as well. Hold on. He asked the question about Lonzo. We'll let him speak for a second here. And we, we, have, we had another Lonzo question on Twitter as well, so this will be perfect. We'll transition to that too. Joe, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for uh, for inviting me up. And, and thank you, DeAndre, for answering the question. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a huge Lonzo Ball fan. I've been following him since, you know, he was in overtime and the highlights and whatnot all through UCLA and obviously as a Laker as well. I just think the potential is through the roof if he can – decide to do certain things with his game that he hasn't been doing in the past. Um, so, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. As a Lonzo Ball fan, the DeMar DeRozan signing, you know, kind of made me feel like, well, are they going to make him back into a 3 and D guy? Because we've been seeing DeMar be more of a facilitator um, lately, especially as a spur. Um, or do they do, do they do view him as a, a you know that kind of that pure point guard who can really run the show because his floor game is, is it has potential to be high right um, you, you are going to have those games where he you know he's turning the ball over those sometimes and, and maybe he can grow out of that but I just kind of wanted to hear from you guys because you know I, I'll be honest when Zach Levine first got to the Bulls I was really low on him you know I was one of those people that did not see. Um, you know, us matching that offer that that the Kings gave him. Yep. But he's blossomed, um, you know, over these last four years. And I think Lonzo has the ability to do something similar now that he's in a comfortable situation. So uh, just go ahead and give me, you know, what you guys think Lonzo's role will be and, you know, kind of touch on what you think his ceiling could be. Yeah, yeah so I think this one, first, and then I'll kick it go to ahead. you. So I think, like, when you're talking about what is a pure point guard in the modern NBA – I feel like what you need that guy to do is be able to break down the initial line of defense, put like get the ball to the basket, right? Like put two feet in the paint and force the defense to rotate so that someone's open and you can trigger your ball movement, you know, pass, 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 get an open shot, drive and kick offense. And I think that that is sort of where Lonzo comes up a little short, like, the shortcoming in his game, to me, is just in his athletic profile. I don't think that he's a particularly like powerful or flexible athlete. And where he struggles, I think, is like breaking guys down off the dribble and forcing the defense to rotate. So that's why he's not exactly a pure point guard, in my opinion. But I do get what you're saying, that like part of the appeal of him coming to Chicago was probably playing with the ball in his hands more often. Levine is about as classic of a two guard as you're going to find in the entire league, right? Like he's not exactly what they call like a heliocentric player, like a James Harden or Luka Doncic type, who's just going to, uh, you know, hold the ball for the majority of the offensive possession. That's not his game. Like he's mostly a bucket getter and a scorer and a secondary initiator. So the Bulls do definitely have an opportunity, I think, for Lonzo to take on some of those opportunities. But 
Uh, as you mentioned as well, that's been DeRozan's game lately. Like DeRozan is really good still at creating advantages in the half court. And credit DeRozan because he's become an awesome mid-range shooter off the dribble and a really good passer. Like, you know, seven assists a game last year. That's been the big area of growth in his game over the last couple of years since going from Toronto to San Antonio. So totally understand that you think that Lonzo can, like, shoulder a little bit more natural playmaking duties and natural just, like, lead engine of the offense duties. And I'm a bit skeptical of that just because I don't know if he's the type of athlete who's going to, like, break guys down off the dribble. But I'm definitely open to it, and they should give him opportunities to do it. The thing is that the starters aren't going to be playing all 48 minutes together, right? Like, there's going to be some opportunities, I think, for Lonzo to run with the second unit and to act as more of a lead engine uh, if Billy Donovan thinks he can do that. But just in general, I think that the Bulls are very much going to go with, like, uh, pass-heavy, sharing-the-ball offense, where it's not just going to be like Zach with the ball dribbling between his legs for eight seconds on the shot clock or DeRozan doing the same thing. I think what you're going to see is like drive and kick, swing the ball. You're going to have a ton of shooting on this team. Everyone but DeRozan is a threat to space the floor and knock down an open jumper. So to me, given Zach's strides as a passer and playmaker last year, DeRozan strides as a passer and playmaker over the last couple years. Vucevic being a really good passer. I didn't really anticipate that from him uh, when he came over in the trade deadline. I think you're going to see a ball movement heavy offense rather than one that is super dependent on one guy initiating every time down the floor. Uh, But I think you raised some great points on like, you know, Lonzo probably did want to act as more of a true point guard and Perhaps he does have some more potential, like given his pedigree is a great recruit and a top draft pick and what he's shown a little bit throughout uh, the young part of his career. But, you know, to me, I would say that the roles in basketball have sort of changed as the game has evolved over the last 10 years specifically. And now, like what I always call Lonzo, sort of a connecting piece, like someone who can like keep the ball moving, space the floor impact the game without needing to hold the ball. That's where I see him being really good and what his special talent is. So I guess that's just sort of how I see it. What do you think, Jason, just in terms of like Lonzo initiating the offense in the half court more often this season? Yeah, first of all, I want to give a shout out to, we almost got the same exact question from a guy on Twitter at that guy Murphy said, do you think Lonzo gets the chance to orchestrate the offense with the starting lineup? Uh, I mean, I think he will get the chance somewhat, but I think I tend to agree with you that that he's not going to be like, I mean, Zach needs needs the ball. DeRozan needs the ball. So there will be more of a sharing thing. And I want to bring up KC again in his mailbag. Uh, and because they asked about, uh, somebody asked him about, it's like pe- uh, people needing to sacrifice and like, they're going to have a sacrifice. And KC brought up how he's heard the Bulls want to play faster and that Lonzo will be a key part in pushing pace. And we know that that is one of Lonzo's strengths is getting out in transition, his passing in transition. And when you have guys like Zach and like athletic dudes like him, and, and you have a young dude in Pat, Patrick Williams, you have DeRozan, guys like that. I mean, the Bulls should be getting out and running. Kobe White, when he's healthy, the Bulls should be getting out and running and trying to dunk all over people and launch threes because they have a guy like Lonzo who can kind of lead the break like that, and, and Zach and these other guys as well. So, um, yeah, like I definitely share the skepticism about him like being like a dominant half court, whatever, like facilitator type that just doesn't seem to be his thing. Uh, he doesn't get to the line much, he struggles to finish sometimes, but I think he's going to be huge in terms of just like how they initiate their offense and how they get out and transition because 
Like I said, that's that that was always one of his biggest strengths was the transition stuff. And uh the Bulls should be looking to push that pace, and that's how they should be looking to do a lot of their offense. And they should be a really exciting team because of it. Joe, if you have anything else, we'll definitely let you uh uh if you have any other comments on this, otherwise we will move on. You know, that, that that's great feedback, guys. I really appreciate that. Um we're, we're, we're really going to see how good uh, Billy Donovan is. And I, I, I think he's a really good coach. But this is a team that has a lot of talent. Um, and I think he has a lot to do to figure out how to make this work. Um, you know, what you what you said, uh, Jason, I think that was you about the ball movement. That's music to my ears. I would love to see a very robust offense uh, where, you know, the ball rarely touches the ground and there's a ton of passing and shooting. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that all of that comes to fruition and, and, you know, the Bulls have a really good season. Thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for your comments, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Fully agree on Billy Donovan too, man. Like the Bulls are in a spot in the league right now, just like in a tier in the league where coaching and injuries are going to be like the two things that really like elevate teams up or move them down the standings. So I think Donovan's got a lot of pressure on him this year. I'm optimistic about him too, but I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, even looking, you talk about like the tiers and stuff like that. Like I've seen some like recent power rankings. Like I think ESPN had them 19th. I just saw NBA.com. John Schumann has them eighth in the East. Uh, so like, I mean, a lot of people still, I think, have the skepticism. And I know, uh, I, I know, I commented on Twitter the other day that like, and I get it. Like the Bulls have been bad for a few years. I know this is a very different team, but a lot of people just like are while they like. I, well, I guess a lot of people are not the biggest fans of the DeRozan move and what they did to do did to get him. Still, obviously, an influx of talent there. But a lot of people, while they do have this influx of talent, are still curious to see how it all comes together. And that's where how Billy figuring out how this works and how they do mesh will could be a difference between if they're eighth or ninth in the East, or if they can somehow get to that higher end outcome of like fourth or fifth. So it'll be very interesting to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our guy, Rio. What's up, Rio? What do you, what do you got for us today? Rio, are you here with us? Hey, what's up, guys? There he is. All right. Jason, Ricky, what's up, guys? Hey, I was just I was just listening to you guys talk about Monzo and uh, the offense, and I was just thinking to myself, if the Paw can continue to progress this season and take advantage of the the larger, slower power forwards, that's gonna open up so many doors on offense for these guys. 
I, I was just wondering, what did you guys think about that? Ricky, want to take this one? Uh, Pat? Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting for Patrick Williams. If you could mute just for a second, Rio, because I'm getting okay. back on yours. Uh, all good. All good. Thanks for the question. Uh, I think you're dead on that Patrick Williams is a huge role, right? Like, Pat is the one guy who still has a lot of upside left in his game. I do think you could say that about Lonzo, too, because he is only entering, what, his fifth year? Still super young, obviously. I do think Lonzo has some upside in his game, but Pat is a ton, right? Because last year he made all these starts. He drew all these super tough defensive assignments. He was relatively durable. He has the physical tools. He shot 39% from three. But basically his entire status as a promising prospect is based on flashes in a lot of different areas, right? Like flashes of shooting, flashes of shot creation in the half court, flashes of rim protection defensively and of being able to force turnovers at the nail and all these things. But, you know, if you just look at the numbers, he wasn't a very good player last year by impact. And that impact showed up on the tape, too, if you were watching the games. Now, that's okay. He was the youngest player in the league. By the way, today's Pat Williams' birthday. Happy 20th birthday to Patrick. Oh, yeah. And I think he's in a fascinating situation entering this season because I could easily see him in another really low-usage offensive role like he was last year when, uh, you know, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I think he had like a 13 or 14% usage. Very low. Super low. Uh, I think ideally the Bulls want to sort of mold him into someone like Michael Bridges, who also had a super low usage rate this year for Phoenix, but Bridges was awesome in the playoffs. He was awesome the entire regular season, just as a guy who was a super versatile defender, brought length, uh, you know, could get you out in transition. He's a really good transition offensive player, Michael is. And then he would space the floor and knock down jumpers, and he wasn't really asked to create too much because he had Chris Paul and Devin Booker creating most of the offense and then campaign doing it on second units. What a world, still hard to believe. <laughs> so I would love to see Pat level up. I think the best way for Pat to level up is to get his kicks in on the second unit. Like, yep. let, I, I think, like, the obvious lineup change you can make for sub take pat off put caruso in slide DeRose into the four and then play the starters basically with caruso without pat and then when you put pat back in on the second unit let pat handle the ball let pat like be the go-to guy sort of the role we saw him play a little bit in summer league and i think that that's probably the best way to get his offensive development in because i guess with the starters when he's on the floor He's probably not going to have the ball very much. His role is going to be much more emphasized on defense. He's going to have a big defensive responsibility, but not a big offensive responsibility. So I totally agree. He's a super fascinating player heading into this year. And yeah, I just, that's just sort of how I see him uh, going into year two. We we also got a question on Twitter about Pat. Uh, This is from at jmass underscore 3K. He said, what ways do you think the intro of DeRozan can help Pat's development? And then he also asked if Paul Millsap would be uniquely suited to mentor Pat because of how amazing he used to be as a weak side rim protector help defender. Uh, In terms of the Millsap thing, that obviously makes a ton of sense. I I would love to get Millsap as the veteran front court guy. We just talked about him at the top of this. Uh, I would totally offer the Bulls still have their biennial, biennial exception. I think he wants more money than that, but I would put that on the table for him right now. The Bulls were not mentioned as a team going after him in Jake Fisher's Bleach Report piece, but I think he would make a ton of sense for the Pat reason, just for general. He's not what he w- used to be. He's obviously on the decline at 35, 36. I think he's 36 now, but like 
they need some veteran, proven veteran guys in the front court. I think he would help on the court. I think he would help with Pat Williams. Uh, it'd be a great move, but it doesn't seem like it's in the cards, but I guess we'll see. Like I said, he might be waiting a while before he decides to go where to go. In terms of DeRozan, uh, like helping Pat, like I guess I'm not totally sure in what way he would necessarily help. Like obviously DeRozan has been playing a bit more small ball for, I guess in terms of like that kind of thing, maybe he does help him there. Like overall with the starting lineup, as you mentioned, like Pat's just not going to get that many opportunities. It's just as simple as that. I know like we, we, we like to joke around about Stacy talking about him needing to be more aggressive. Like, I think we, he needs to at least take advantage of the opportunities that he does get. If he gets open looks, he's got to fire away, whether it's from three, whether he's attacking closeouts, off driving kicks and stuff like that, whether it's in transition. We know he can be aggressive attacking the offensive glass when shots go up. He's, so he's just got to be as aggressive as he can be in that, in that role, even though it's going to be smaller usage. And then, yeah, I was, you took the point right out of my mouth about the bench stuff. Like, if it's like him and like whatever – like Vucevic out there, or like him or whatever, him and DeRozan out there with second units, or if it's him and Lonzo out there with second units, or him and Kobe out there with second units, whatever. However they, however Billy chooses to stagger these rotations, I'd love to see him at least get a little bit extra opportunity there with, with that kind of stuff. But otherwise, uh, he's just got to be ready. He, in terms of leveling up, Like I don't see, think we're going to see like a huge level up this season from him, but he can at least be ready, be aggressive, take advantage of the opportunities that he does get, and then the defensive stuff. He's going to have to definitely be uh, a defensive player uh, to help this team. They do. They, the Bulls did bring in some defensive guys with Alonzo, with Caruso. But, I mean, Zach, Vooch, DeRozan aren't exactly defensive savants. So they're gonna, definitely going to need Pat in that starting lineup to be a, a, a guy who can be a defensive stopper. Thank you for that question. Rio, appreciate that, man. Let's- Okay, I guess moving uh, with a comment here from Uncle Stanley McGoober. He asked if there's anything do you think Ch- Pat ends up out of the starting lineup. I feel like I'd be kind of surprised unless – I guess unless it goes, like, really bad. I mean, the Bulls do have this really hard stretch at the start of the year. Like, if things go south, like, maybe they would do – I guess that it could also depend on, like, who is also on the roster. Like, I mean, would they, like – would they bench Pat and, and play small with DeRozan starting at the four? I mean, that is what the Spurs did, right? Were they starting him at the four, like, all of last year? Yeah. They were. And my two cents on this question is I could totally see it happening in the playoffs. Like in the playoffs, move Crusoe into the starting lineup or Kobe, take Pat off the floor uh, with the starters. So I can see that happening in the postseason just as teams sort of feel each other out over the course of a seven-game series. In the regular season, I guess I'd be surprised just because he started every game last year. But as mentioned in the question, like the Bulls are trying to win this year at a high level. They're fighting for seeding and stuff. So I think it's more about like, is Pat closing games than is Pat starting games? Yeah. I I would think they're probably going to start him, but I bet they don't close with him. And that's really what's more important. And, you know, we'll see how long, if he, you know, does remain the starter, we'll see how long his shift is. Like, is he starting for like six minutes and coming off the floor? Uh, are they playing DeRozan at the four a lot? because, you know, they are so thin in on that area of the roster. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I, I would expect Pat to start. I don't know if he's going to finish. I'd be surprised if he finished. So one, one comment we got from – this is from Ad Th- Thomas under Manfredi, Manfredi, something like that. He threw out a, a lineup, a joke, I think jokingly referencing the Happens 5, obviously the Warriors lineup, uh, of Pat at the five, DeRozan at the four, Lonzo at the three, Zach at the two, and Kobe at the one. Joking about the New Hampton's five. What do you, what do, you do? You think Pat can play some some five, and they go like super super small at times, especially again with this kind of the thin 
nature of their of their front court. We'll see how Tony Bradley does. We'll we'll see how Marco does. Would you think about giving Pat any minutes at the five? Oh hell yeah, definitely. I'm super excited for those lineups. Hopefully Donovan does it. Uh, I think that's where Pat could potentially be. You know, really interesting. This is a small ball five. Now the one thing that holds him back a bit is his length. Like I think his wingspan is like a shade under seven foot. Which, like, ideally, even if you're going to be, like, a nominal wing who's sliding up to the five, you want a guy who's, like, 7'2 wingspan probably at least. So he's not going to have great length. He's going to need to prove that he can, you know, protect the rim. But what Pat's really good at, I think, is absorbing contact. Like, drives into his body. You can't move that guy off his spot. He's built like a brick shithouse. So I would like to see them go with that lineup, gas up the pace. Like, obviously, you want Lonzo on the floor, too, if Pat's at the five, because you're going to want, like, quick hit-ahead passes in transition to get easy offense. Uh, Defensively, I think that could be, like, super switchy, obviously. It's going to be tough to have DeRozan on the floor with Zach and with Pat at the five. So, you know, maybe that's something where DeRozan's off the floor and you're going with, I don't know, Troy Brown or hopefully even, like, Maxi would be perfect in this situation, honestly, if they could somehow get him from Dallas. But, yeah, I want to see some Pat at the five. You know, that's like your change-up, right? Like, part of the regular season, and I get that the Bulls are using this regular season to win every game possible, in that, like, wins and losses during this regular season are going to be super important. But also part of the regular season is about, like, building your team up for the playoffs. And I feel like that's a really good change-of-pace look to have in the postseason. The Clippers, in particular, last year played so many minutes without Zubac on the floor and they had no traditional center in his place. So that is part of Pat's appeal as a big wing. Like maybe he can side up to the five a little bit. Let's see it this year. I'd like to see it in small depth. Yeah. And I think in terms of the lineup, he suggested he had Kobe at the one. I feel like in this kind of case, you probably have Caruso at the one, maybe Kobe if he's, if he's really on fire or something, but you have, they can obviously mix and match a lot in the backcourt and, and, uh, with those guys, with all those guys that they have. Um, talking about the defense, we did get a question about the defense overall. It's from at Rafo Show. Everyone was freaking about the defense. Obviously, the roster isn't finished. As it stands now, is the Bulls' current roster really a step back on D with at least two incoming plus defenders like Ball and Crusoe? And a lot of people do forget, including myself, that the Bulls almost finished in the top 10 in defensive rating last year. I think they finished like 12th or something like that, even though, like, it felt like the Bulls were not a good defensive team last year. I feel like they started really poorly. And then, like, over the course of the year, they kind of snuck up and were, like, okay. Like, I definitely would not call them a good defensive team. Mediocre at best. But, like, they definitely weren't, like, a total dumpster fire. Uh, so they were they were okay. Do you, Are you worried about the defense? Obviously, DeRozan has his defensive questions. We know about Zach. Vooch you is think, like, I, you I think Vooch this is, one. like, an accept. Vooch isn't a rim protector, but, like, He's an acceptable, like, okay drop defender. And, like, the drop defense this day and age is, like, obviously certain guys can absolutely roast it. But, like, he, he, like, is, like, a positionally solid defender. How worried are you about the defense? Do you think they can be borderline top ten again? Uh, I'm going to say I'll let you take this one. Like, you can answer your own question on that. I don't think they can be borderline top ten. I'd be fucking shocked if they're borderline top ten defensively. And if that's the case, like... Give Billy Donovan some coach of the year consideration because you have guys, three guys in the starting lineup, pillars of the starting lineup who have poor defensive reputations. I agree with you that Vooch is sound positionally and he is a little better than his reputation, but he's also getting old. He's 31. And like, you know, when you're decent defensively at your peak athleticism, what about when you start to fall off a little bit? So 
maybe, you know, his play will dip on that end, and then his play will match his reputation finally. So, dude, if I would lock in, like, give me number 18 defensively right now. I feel like I would like to lock that in. Maybe that's a little bit of a conservative estimate on my part, but uh, I definitely think there's some potential for the Bulls to be in the bottom 10 defensively. That would be really bad for them. If they're in the top 10 defensively, I'd be really surprised. But what do you uh, I would be surprised by top 10. I think they can finish around kind of league average again. I mean, if Caruso, we'll see how much Caruso plays. He could point of attack defense. He could have a huge impact there. I mean, he's according to like some metrics, like he is one of the better point of attack defenses or defenders in the entire league. Uh, and Lonzo, Lonzo thing is kind of interesting. It's like he definitely has a rep as an upgrade defensively. And I would suggest that he probably is. But like, I know like watching like the Bulls play the Pelicans last year and watching some other Pelicans games, like, I mean, they were just getting, I mean, the Bulls roasted them multiple times. And, like, they were getting roasted, like, a lot. Like, I wonder how much that was Lonzo, how much, I know Zion's not a great defender, how much that was, like, the, them, like, just not believing in Stan Van Gundy. Obviously, he was fired after one season. So, like, theoretically, Lonzo and Caruso, I feel like, should help. But overall, in the it does seem like, and we'll see, like, how much Troy Brown plays. Like, he showed some nice stuff defensively. So, like, I think there's at least enough in place where they could possibly be league average. I'd be surprised if they were absolutely terrible. I would also be surprised if they were any good. So this is me, I guess, giving like a total cop out to say I think they could be very average once again. Which, if their if their offense can be as good as we think it can be, like maybe a, a top ten offense, I think they probably have to be a top ten offense if they're actually going to be as good as we think we'd like to think they can be. Because I don't think their defense is going to go winning them games. But if they if they can be mediocre defensively and have a borderline elite or elite offense, I mean that can get you to the whatever forty five to. 50 wins that we put out on the schedule on our game by game schedule that we came up with or predictions that we came up with give me like the number eight offense in the number 16 defense and that'd probably be a pretty good team right like you got to get you know part of it is like hopefully other teams miss shots like that was something they talked about with the knicks all year last year is like opponents could not hit shots against the Knicks. Now, was that because of the Knicks scheme? Was it fluky? I think it was probably a little bit a combination of both. Like, the Knicks probably did get some good luck, but also it's Tibbs. Tibbs builds a great defense every year. Like, it's not really smoke and mirrors because it's something he's consistently done throughout the course of his career. But I do think, like, teams having tough shooting nights or, like, catching teams uh, on a bad night for them is critical. And, uh... Yeah, man, the more I think about this, like, every game is just going to feel so important as the Bulls try to compete to get into the playoffs and get out of the play-in. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Let's move on to the next question. Let's uh, let's talk about Kobe here. We've kind of brought him up a few times, and obviously he's been rehabbing from the shoulder injury. Again, Casey brought up how he'll probably be out till, like, like November, December, so he'll probably miss the start of the regular season. But this is from at jog eighty nine. When he's back from injury, what is slash should be Kobe's role on this team? If he hits on some of his high-end potential outcomes, how much does that change the Bulls' place in the East? It is such a hard question to answer just because he is missing this entire summer. Just a huge setback, and we've talked about this, like how just like stopping his ability to just like build, put on strength and just like work on some of that part of his just his body and his game and stuff like that. So like, I feel like I, my expectations for Kobe White are not high this season just because he is going to miss this time. With the, the with the rehab and then missing part of the season as well, like I think he slides in could be a really nice bench guy next to Caruso. That's a nice a nice like kind of just like mix and match duo there. Where you got Kobe as a gunner, you have Caruso as a defensive energy guy. So like 
I'm expecting Kobe White to be a sixth, seventh man gunner off the bench. I do not really expect like a high end outcome from him. Like I don't think he's gonna like be making or breaking the Bulls. I mean, I guess maybe he does. Maybe if he is like actually decent, maybe that would help the Bulls push the Bulls up a, a tier. But I'm not expecting definitely like a high end outcome for him this season at least. Maybe maybe he has a nice season. He can use that as a, a springboard for to year four. But uh, it is again we've mentioned this multiple times. The, just a huge fucking bummer for Kobe White and this shoulder injury. Just a bit major setback, uh, and that's obviously why they went out and obviously made some big additions in the backcourt. Yeah, I would be really able to talk myself into Kobe having a big year if he didn't have the injury. And like you said, I think like not having this offseason to improve his body and improve his skill set is a huge bummer. There's no other way to put it. Now, he it's not like it's going to end his season. It, right. He be back like within the first month I would think that that would be like a conservative estimate for him coming back he's gonna have to play his way into shape he's gonna have to continue to strengthen his shoulder but like for the stretch run of the year or into the playoffs hopefully he could be someone who can give him a little bit of you know extra life offensively and uh, I think like his ideal role if you like sort of factor out the injury stuff is he's in a really nice spot to have a role that plays to his strengths on this. Like DeRozan, Vucevic, and Zach are going to command a lot of defensive attention. Lonzo is always going to be looking for him, or, you know, a player like him who can shoot both in the half court and in transition. And I feel like he could really be set up for success. I think, like, if you look at Kobe's former UNC teammate, Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson was someone who, like, when he was taken in the lottery – it was, like, insane, right? Like, Kobe had the instant classic reaction. Wow. Wow, bro. Can't believe yeah. that. Because no one anticipated that he would get taken that high. But he ended up – that ended up being a wonderful draft pick because he found a good team where he could play a narrow role and just sort of do his thing on a team that, like, you know, accentuates what he does well and covers up what he does poorly. I'm hoping the Bulls have that kind of infrastructure now to help Kobe pop in a similar way. Just like having one or two big games in the playoffs, like that could really raise Kobe's national profile and be super good for both the Bulls and him. Like I think he could help himself a lot as he gets ready to negotiate a second contract. Uh, maybe he could up his trade value if the Bulls want to flip him. Maybe the Bulls love having him around as you know an added offensive spark plug off the bench, and he can be someone who you want to keep here long term. So, yeah, I really think that the role Kobe's going to have this year, he's going to be far better suited for than the one he had going into last year when he was expected to sort of play as the point guard, starting point guard. So uh, the injury is a huge bummer. I'm hoping that at least like post all-star break, he can get comfortable and get stronger and be ready to give the Bulls some added value off the bench because I think there is a chance that, you know, he could be in for a pretty good situation given how the roster has been remade over the summer. Yeah, so, like, last year, I think I got down, super down on Kobe. Just the point guard stuff. Like, there was a uh, point. Like, before he started to play a little better at the end of the season, like, where he was just, like, awful. He was unplayable. Cl- clearly just, like, no confidence. Totally unsure of himself. And I was super down on him. I was like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm done with this guy. Like, go trade him as soon as you can. And, like, I feel like watching the playoffs, I started, like, talking myself back into the idea of him just because of the way that he can just get up shots, that he can get buckets. And you mentioned, like, Maybe he does have the Bulls go in the playoffs, and maybe he has a game where he comes off the bench and goes for 25, 30 points and like helps them win. Because his skill to his ability and his skill to be able to get up shots like that is very useful. 
uh, like I said, it's another situation where we just have to, I feel like, adjust the expectations for him. Like, like I can't expect him to be turned into Jamal Murray, but if he can just be, if he can be a, a cons- more consistent, just like, just whatever, microwave guy off the bench, that is a helpful role on a team trying to win now. Uh, like I said, the, like I said, this, the point guard stuff, he's still, he is still young. Maybe he can get better at that. My expectations just aren't that anymore, but he can still help this team, and I've talked myself into him a bit more. So, like you said, hopefully he does come back relatively early. He'll sounds like he'll miss some time, like I said, but and that he can play an important role. Otherwise, and, and at the very least, he could he can help his trade value. Maybe they trade him to get a, a more proven piece for for either this year or for down the road. So we will see. It'll be interesting to see how how he does perform, especially with all these other guys here on this roster. Now, let's move on. We got a couple more questions here before we wrap up. This is from Ethan McDougal at McDougie1. He says, I know it might be tough to say without a game being played, but say you're in a seven-game series against the Bulls in the first round. What how do you atta- what do you do to give your team the best chance of winning, and what, how would the Bulls counter uh, in this situation? So I guess if you're another team, Ricky, how would you be attacking this Bulls roster to beat them, and how would the Bulls counter, and how would they, like, or how would they hit back was the question, basically. Yeah, I guess... I don't know. It's it's a great question. And just trying to like talk it out. Like, I guess what you want to do is try to burn Zach and DeRozan off the ball. Like, I feel like both of those guys can lose their focus away from their man. And so you probably want to try to like get some easy cuts to the basket where Vucevic isn't quick enough to rotate over and yeah, like you just want to like burn them back door, I think is a, probably your best bet. And then otherwise, like you're just probably going to target DeRozan. I think. Like Zach won't be the weakest defender on the floor when he shares the court with DeRozan. At least that's DeRozan's reputation. I can't sit here and confidently say that like DeRozan is definitely an absolute fucking train wreck on defense because I haven't, you know, just watched enough of him in San Antonio, but that's certainly his reputation. So we'll see. I think that DeRozan's going to be the weakest link defensively. And yeah, I worry more about those guys off the ball and like being attentive off the ball than guarding the ball. But that's where Lonzo's really good too, right? Like Lonzo can be that free safety style defender where he can like swoop in and like force a turnover, get his hand on a pass, get a deflection. Uh, So that's probably what I would be looking at if I'm another team attacking the Bulls. And then was there a second part of that question offensively? Like, it was basically the, how would the bull, how would the Bulls counter like slash how would they attack other teams? And I, I feel like I mean the Bulls will, should probably run play a lot faster. Like I said, I would probably hammer a lot of PNR, Zach and Vooch, DeRozan and Vooch, uh, that kind of stuff. How how would you attack? As I, I guess, what is your like ideal Bulls? I mean, we talked about a lot of ball movement. We don't want a lot of ice. I, like Zach and Zach and DeRozan are both very good ISO players. So like in the playoffs when games slow down, like. I think there will be times when we the Bulls rely on Zach and DeRozan ISOs. They were two of the better ISO players in the league. But in general, I feel like you are hoping for you're like hammering PNR because you have a lot of dudes that can do it. You got a lot of shooting around these guys. I mean, that that just seems like a no brainer to me, right? Yeah, my big thing is like you don't want the ball sticking this year. You don't yeah. want it, uh, you know devolving into DeRozan going one on one. We've seen what happens when Zach does that. So I think you just want the ball moving, but obviously, like the vast majority of NBA offense is based around spreading it out in the pick and roll. And when the Bulls initiate with DeRozan in the half court, they're going to have four shooting threats around the arc. DeRozan's never had that in his career. Uh, Levine's never had another teammate who can 
run the pick and roll as skillfully as DeRozan can. I would love to see Zach totally level up as an off-ball scoring threat, running off screens, uh, getting him involved with dribble handoffs, just like using different motions to distract the defense. Stefan No highlighted Hawk action in a great piece he wrote yeah. to Substack. Make sure to check that out. Send Stefan a few bucks on his Venmo, too, so he keeps writing about the Bulls selfishly because I enjoy writing. Uh, and, yeah, I think, like, as long as the ball's not sticking, that's going to be the Bulls' key point offensively. And if you're talking about a series, I think, yeah, gas the pace up, man. I love the idea of gassing the pace up. We already talked about maybe using Pat a little bit as a small ball five. To me, that's something you should experiment with a little bit in the regular season so that if you get in a series, hopefully, uh, you have that at your disposal in the right matchup or if you want to try to tilt the matchup in your favor. Uh, yeah, great question, but that's just... Yeah, comment from Michael says, feel like we should get used to some ISO early in the season while these guys develop chemistry. I think that makes a lot of sense uh, with all these new guys tr- working to sacrifice, working, feeling each other out. It would not surprise me if there are some early struggles, especially with that schedule, as they try to figure out the hierarchy and roles and all that kind of stuff. And maybe we see some your turn, my turn type stuff going on. Uh, I think John Schumann actually wrote about that in his power rankings about to see how that they work all that kind of stuff out. It'll be interesting to see, again, Billy Donovan, how he how he meshes this team together, how these guys just mesh together themselves. Uh, with the, It'll be nice to have a more normal offseason and training camp to, to work it out. But yeah, especially with these tough games to start the season after that for the first couple weeks, uh, there will probably be some growing pains. There will probably be some losses, uh, and we'll just have to see how that how that goes. So it'll be definitely very interesting to see. Last question here, and while while the Bulls are now interesting again, and uh, it is fun to talk about them being interesting, and we don't like to look back too much anymore about the past. I did like this question from Kyle McMahon at Kyle34B. He said, not sure if you guys watched What If, that's the Marvel show and Disney+, Plus, but you should look back and do a What If AK was hired before Jimmy was traded. Look back at Superstars Moving Teams and discuss what moves the Bulls, and basically the, what moves the Bulls could have made, could have made instead of trading Jimmy, how they could have built an actual good roster around Jimmy Butler. Uh, I feel like if we're looking at that, the obvious things are the Bulls go get Kyle Lowry. Apparently, I mean, Kyle Lowry is now on the heat. Apparently, Kyle Lowry and uh, Jimmy are, like, real tight. I know there were, like, Kyrie Irving rumors out there about him and like him and Jimmy wanting to play together. Uh, I can't remember exactly where those were from. But uh, I feel like those are the two guys off the top of my head. But looking back, Ricky, how if, how if AK was, like, more aggressive instead of, instead of the three alphas? He AK says, all right, we got Jimmy Butler. How are we building this team around Jimmy Butler? What would you have done, or what do you think he would have done instead? Yeah, well, if he follows this pattern, he would have traded all his draft picks, and the Bulls never would have gotten a chance to select Denzel Valentine or Bobby Portis or Tony Snell or all these guys Garpax whiffed on Chandler Hutchison. So, I mean, that would have been sick, right? That's something I've been talking about for a while since the trade deadline, is that they should have went all in like this around Jimmy. And Zach is awesome. It's great that they're doing this around Zach. But Zach is not as good as Jimmy. Not yet. I don't really think he's ever going to be. And that's not really a diss at Zach. But Jimmy's just that guy. Like, Jimmy's awesome. I think he's one of the most underrated players in this generation of the league. So, yeah, I mean, go get Kyrie, right? Like, he got traded to Boston during that era. So many guys switched teams. Like, 
Kawhi switch teams too. Do you go get Kawhi with Jimmy? Kawhi apparently wanted to play with Jimmy. Yeah, that's right. He was with the Clippers and he was starting to recruit his next superstar teammate. So yeah, I'm gonna say give me Kawhi and Kyrie. There you with go, Jimmy. And Bulls are gonna win championships number seven and eight. So I'm just gonna throw that out there, Jason. <laughs> uh, we can. Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, the Kawhi, I didn't even think about the Kawhi thing. Yeah, I mean, that would have been like, oh, was that 2018? So, like, if you keep, it obviously was a little after. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, either way, like, those last, those couple of years, like, Jimmy didn't want to get traded. Instead of doing the three alphas nonsense and then trading him away, like, there definitely would have been years and some assets to, I mean, the Bulls, like, if there was at least one thing that, I guess, Garpacks are, did do well, they, they, like, believed so much in their picks and, like, build it, whatever. And, like, they, they didn't really trade anything away. So, like, they would have had, all their picks to make like godfather trade offers and all that kind of stuff. So they definitely would have been able to go out and like put together at least decent offers for uh, superstars like that. So it definitely would have, it definitely had something I've thought about as well. Uh, like I said, I don't like to look back at mu- as much anymore. We've, we've done our share of complaining about the bulls trading Jimmy. It's great that they got Zach. Uh, Zach definitely is become maybe what? 25 th- where he was, I think, the, I know Seth Parnow just did his, recently did his like player tiers, and I think Zach was in like like the thirtieth, basically like top. He's I would say Zach's like a top thirty-ish, top twenty-five player at this point. Maybe he is able to take another leap. Jimmy at his best has definitely been like a top ten-ish guy. So, so Zach's just a tier below, but uh, it's great that we got Zach out of this trade, basically saving it because Lowry's basically a goner, or he, right. he's back. He's not a long-term future guy. Chris Dunn is gone. Wendell Carter's gone from basically tank quote unquote tanking that that year, even though they blew that tank. So like Zach is like the last the, the last hope from that Jimmy trade. He's been awesome. Thank God that he did they they got Zach instead of Andrew Wiggins. Because I feel like that was talked about whether the Bulls would get like Wiggins or Zach in that in that Jimmy trade. So thank God that they, they did get Zach. But it is still kind of uh fun to think about what they could have done if they did have a better front office around Jimmy Butler. But what's past is the past. The Bulls are an interesting team again. Thank you to everybody that asked all these that asked all these questions and that participated. We are going to wrap up here. We've been going for almost an hour, but awesome talking about the Bulls, especially. I mean, during this time, we got like nothing to talk about. It's great hearing your questions and still having some interesting stuff to talk about this dead part of the season. We will see. Uh, again, we're still waiting on the Lowry stuff. We have, I feel like I've been saying that at the end of every podcast for the last couple of weeks. We're still waiting to see what happens with Lowry Markin and the rest of this roster. Uh, training camp. When is training camp open? Is that end of September? Beginning of, beginning of October. The season starts on October ni- whatever nineteenth. Yeah. Do you, do you know? Uh, training camp probably starts in like a month or month or a month and a half. So not too much time left to fill out the roster and work out this Lowry stuff. But there is still a few weeks. So we'll see what happens. I would hope that it gets uh, sorted out soon. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Again, thank you everybody for participating in all these questions. Shout out as always to the Blue Wire Network. This podcast. Uh, should be up on our feed later. Again, hopefully this works. The last the last screen room one did. Hopefully this one works as well. I think hopefully the, all those issues have been sorted out. So again, this should be in our podcast feed, feed later. Uh, please, for uh, for our sake, please rate and review us. Wherever you listen to your podcast, give us those five-star ratings on Apple. That really helps us out. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Give us the feedback. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SVN underscore Ricky. So we will talk to you guys next time. Hopefully we, we got some new stuff to talk about. Otherwise, uh, during this dead month, we're probably going to try to bring out some guests. Maybe we'll get some guys to talk about Lonzo. We'll see at the tampering investigation. Hopefully when they get, that gets wrapped up, we can talk about that uh, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll see what happens with that, all that stuff. We'll talk to you guys next time, guys. Take it easy.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.